0: Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle, medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Everybody, got the Doctor Dad's coming at you again with an amazing episode on the way. I'm with my
1: main man, my partner in crime, Doctor Nick Jensen. How are you, brother? Another day in paradise, buddy. Uh, I'm also excited for today. I mean, we got a chance to listen to this gentleman on a few different podcasts and and uh, to see him on a documentary, which we're going to be speaking about. And and it's amazing to be able to connect with people across the globe in in this kind of setting, you know and, I can't help but feel that, you know, there, there's an interesting timing to so many different things. And when uh, when people get to, to listen to what this gentleman has to say, it's it's going to be the timing that they need to listen to it. So I'm looking forward uh, to our guest here. The timing and
0: probably what they need to hear, right? <laughs>
1: exactly. So
0: Funny. A, <laughs> how it <that> works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So we have a very gifted and skilled healer on with us today. Uh, some would call him a conduit of the divine. Uh, he connects the soul to the energy of the divine. Uh, many of you may have seen this individual on a documentary called Heal alongside uh, big healers like Deepak Chopra and Joe Dispenza and Greg Brayton, individuals like that. This guy, you know, I remember when I saw that documentary, just watching him at work, I was just blown away uh, watching him at his mastery. So I've been very, very excited uh, to get them on, we have Rob Worgan with us today. Rob, thank you so much for joining us.
2: You're welcome. I love this. I love doing this. So I'm excited.
0: So, Rob, you've touched the lives already of so many people. I think it's like 250,000 and counting. Uh, but for our listeners, real quick, if you wouldn't mind, can you give an explanation a little bit of exactly what it is that you do? And then I'd really like to go from there. Good luck. At, at, right? <laughs> I, I love, But I love the way you, honestly, I've watched a lot of your stuff. I love the way you you simplify a lot of what it is that you're doing. And it's very profound in, in the way you describe it. But can you go just from a little bit of what you do to uh, where these gifts came from? And then kind of you have a pain to purpose type story I'd like to hear a little bit about as well.
2: Well, I mean, just be quick. You know, I think it's important to start as me as a little boy. Because when I was born, I had all the clairs and, you know, I could see everything. I was talking to spirits. I was talking to animals. I was talking to trees, you know, and people thought I was nuts, but I just thought that's what little boys did. You know, little boys like to play in magic. So I was playing in magic. The beautiful thing was that my parents, who were both Germans and Lutherans, which is an interesting combo, um, you know. Our whole life revolved around their religion, their church, and they taught us how to pray, obviously, at a very young age. And so basically how my healing career began, which was when I was like four or five, maybe even younger, was, you know, I lived in Rapid City, South Dakota. I lived in the Black Hills. I I was always out messing around in the mountains, and I'd almost every day come across an animal that was injured or, you know, whatever. And so I just simply did what my parents taught me to do. I would look up and say, hey, God, would you please help this rabbit? And then I'd feel this energy come down on my body, and I'd reach out and touch the rabbit. And the rabbit would, like, jump all over the place, and then it would be fine. And I would say, thank you, God. That was cool. You know, I I just knew intuitively and from my parents teaching me that, you know, basically all you have to do is ask God for help and get out of the way. I didn't understand all that then. I, sure, I certainly do now. So, you know, when I was seven years old, they thought I was possessed by the devil, and so they took me to the Lutheran church and did an exorcism on me, which was a huge gift. You know, even though I spent years in therapy afterwards, you know, I realized at one point that what they did for me was a huge favor because they took me out of uh, they could have put me in the shrine circus or some, you know, sideshow act and probably ruined me at a young child being this this wild healer kid that was seven years old, but they took me away from that. So I, they gave me the opportunity to have, as normal as I could have it, a, a normal human life. And so I, you know, grade school, high school... I became an entrepreneur at an early age. I used to change around businesses. I was a really successful CEO, and so from age seven until age, um, you know, in the fifties, I I was a, all about materialistic everything. I was like fastest car, best stereo system, most expensive watch. That was me. I made millions of dollars changing companies around, and all I could all I cared about was my address and my car and what watch I had on. You know, which was a little interesting. Uh, so then, uh, when I was f- in my 50s, 51, instead of retiring like I thought I was going to retire, I had everything I had worked my whole life for stolen from me. And I knew, I know now that that was, you know, the classic cosmic two by four, but it also was another important gift for me because I was headed down this road of being all hung up on materialistic stuff and not not paying attention and you know so if you would have asked me when I was 50 years old was I religious I would have told you I was an atheist that I didn't believe in any of this stuff this was all bunk and you know just garbage and then I so I lost everything and I spent the next three and a half years taking a lot of painkillers drinking a lot of vodka and trying to you know subdue my my anger my rage my betrayal my grief and all that stuff I felt and it got so bad that I actually tried to kill myself in February 2003. And I was at the beach, and I, you stu- know, I stood up and I started yelling at God. You know, this is a guy that's an atheist that's yelling at God. I'm like, why did you do this to me? I didn't do anything. I don't deserve this. Blah 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 blah. You, you know, blank blank blank. And I said something really clever like, "So God, if you have anything to say to me, you probably better hurry up because I'm not going to be around very long." And Whether I was imagining it or actually heard it, I heard a voice, very strong voice that said, you have a choice to make and you have to make it now. Your choice is you can continue on the path that you've chosen to be on, or you can do what you did as a child, except with humans. And I said, I don't know, I don't remember that. I don't know what that is. You have to tell me how to do it. And they said, all you did was ask God for help and get out of the way. And the energy would come through you to help now a person, not an animal. So that's a quick, that's a really quick story, but that was my training. My training was as a child being in this wonder all the time and this magic all the time and just saying, I can do this. I just need to ask God and I, I want this animal to feel better. And it did. And so it was really then that I went back to that, that helped me start doing this work 18 and a half years ago. And, you know, I don't know how many people I've worked on. We, we had over 30,000 Zoom appointments in 2020. So that's a few, right? And, um, you know, we're on path to do more than that this year. And the beautiful thing about the pandemic was, I do everything on Zoom now. We just got off a call a few minutes ago, we had, you know, We have every country and I have pins on a a globe and I have every country that I have people coming to me now and they can come by just logging on their computer. And it's beautiful. And the work's actually more powerful because you're in your own sacred space at home. You're not being uh, bothered by somebody sitting next to you or laying next to you crying or snoring or whatever they're doing. You know, you don't have to travel. You don't have to go through that expense. You don't have to go the stress of traveling. You just roll out of bed or stay in bed, and turn on a computer, and receive this magic, this magic energy. So, I don't know. That's that's kind of the quick intro to what I do now. But I mean, you can ask me any specific questions you want. So, I just say to people, I'm not doing anything. I'm not the one doing the work, uh, for whatever reason. I'm, my body has been built to withstand a 100,000 volts of divine light that comes down to me and then it gets, uh, it's a transfer, I'm like a transformer, I transform that energy into the right appropriate energy for the person I'm working on and they get exactly what they need and I get to watch what they're doing and they use my, all of my senses as a human to connect with another human and for some reason I have the software that can, that can change my perception of a human into a energetics that they can understand because they're at a much higher frequency than I am, right? So, And if they came at a normal person with all the frequency they have and the vibration they have, they'd explode them. So people have always asked me, what do they need you for? I, I've been asked this question, God, what do you need me for? You're God, do it. Uh, and the answer was, yes, we are sacred beings, but we are not human and we need a human interface so we can understand what's going on in the human body. Just because we're sacred beings doesn't mean we get what it's being like to be a human. We need a human interface that can help us understand. And that's really what my job is. I, I tune in to folks, you know, I upload all the stuff that's going on with them and then they download the right uh, healing energy that is appropriate for that person and it happens. It's really very simple. You know, although it's very profound and it's, it's easy because we're not having to do all this. You know, I, I don't do all this preparation. We just do it and it makes it really simple. And I liked for people to understand that it's really simple. This is not a complicated process. So does that help kind of a starter for you?
0: No, that's great. So I'm curious, Rob, just for our listeners real quick, you, you see a lot of people And I'd imagine they come with like this laundry list of elements and problems that they have in their life, whether it's traumas or pain or whatever it may be. And I've heard you in some of the stuff I've watched, you know, on YouTube and some of the stuff you put out about saying, you know, forget your story, get out of the way. And you give these really good analogies of, you know, what we're aware of as the person that's coming to someone like you to get this healing and then what's really going on and what layer that we're really working at. Can you get a, a little, speak a little bit to that?
2: Sure. i be glad to. Um, you know, what, what I've learned over the years and, you know, understand that in 18 and a half years that my training has been paying, been paying attention. So I, I get to ask questions. I ask them what they're doing, why they're doing it, you know, what's involved. So I've asked millions of questions in 18 years and, um, what I've, what I've learned is just from observing all the thousands of people I've worked on and, and asking questions, but what I've learned is this simple truth. What we write down on a piece of paper that's wrong with us or what our story is about what's wrong with us has nothing to do with what's really wrong with us. It's the manifestation of other energies in our body that's creating an outcome that we don't like. And the outcome is being created to try to get us to do something about it And, you know, the tendency of Americans anyway is to go to the doctor and get a pill, you know, and get a quick fix. And that doesn't do anything. It just masks the underlying problem. So people send me these long letters and these long emails telling this dreadful story about their life and all the stuff that's wrong with them and all the things that they're unhappy about. And I don't even read it because... First of all, if I get involved as another human, I'm going to try to start using my brain to figure out why you have depression, if that's what your story is. And then I get in the way and then I block the healing. So I I just look at everybody with love and compassion, and I know that what's really gonna happen is that the sacred beings are gonna go through your energy field and look for the very first incident wherever it was, whether it was in your lineage or in a past life or two days ago, that's creating an outcome with you that's not pleasant. So the the diagnosis is the outcome, the original sin, let's call it, the original incident is where it starts. So I sometimes say to people, your body is like a garden. It's got beautiful flowers in it and it's got nasty, ugly weeds in it with thorns. And they will take over your garden and, and ruin your garden for you, right? So the thorns, basically in a human body are the emotions we've held onto. And we keep packing them down, packing them down, packing them down, packing them down, feeding that, that thorn, its fertilizer, which is not releasing until that thorn becomes dominant in your field and your body and starts poking at you and you go to the doctor and they say, oh, I'm sorry, I have stage four cancer. And, but the stage four cancer is the outcome, it's not the source. So what I say to folks is, I'm going to go into your garden and I'm going to look for the biggest, thickest, nastiest weed first, and we're going to follow that stem all the way down to the t- tip of the root, because unless we take out the original incident that occurred that created that energy in you, um, we're not going to, we're not going to, it's not going to be eliminated.
1: Mm, I love that, that analogy. Make, yeah, does that, that
2: make yeah. sense? So, you know, it's like, you know, in the spring you go out and cut your grass and all your dandelions disappear for two days. No, they didn't. Unless you get the whole root of the dandelion, it's just going to come back stronger and and bigger. So my job is to not pay attention to the outcome, but to help the beings in finding the source, the original imprint of energy that created. Now it could be a family thing that your family's lineage has been passing down. You know, like I hear from guys all the time, my dad died at 42 of a heart attack. My grandfather died at 43 of a heart attack. My cousin died at 43 of a heart attack. I'm afraid I'm going to die of a heart attack in my 40s. And that energy has been imprinted in that person, but you can still remove it. So I don't care what it is. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not minimizing anybody's suffering, but, you know, whether you have stage 27 cancer or an ingrown toenail, um, we're going to use the same technique to, to solve that outcome, because it's all energy, and it doesn't really matter what it's been labeled. What matters is that you're ready to get rid of the label, and that you're willing to let God in. And I'm not a religious guy. I use God just because it's a good, good you know term that people understand. Does that help? Am I am I helping you out here? No, no,
0: that was perfect. I, yeah nick go ahead brother i know you want to ask some stuff
1: yeah i know i think that that was such a clear description for people and and i can imagine because you know people are kind of thinking that you know when they get stuck in the middle of something all they can see is their story you know to to relate to something on a more profound level like the what you're sharing i mean it's 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 not something you're gonna be able to register on that cognitive level so because i mean even even us as you know healers working with with our, our patients in our community you know we we're trained to look at the the physical pathological you know issue that's that's coming in and you know there might be a subtle layer of of where we um you know want to help people bypass their story and get into you know the nuts and bolts of what's actually going on but the, the way you described it i think that was that was brilliant and and it maybe it's just something that most people won't really cognitively be able to accept and that's i imagine that's just that's okay it's, it's, not, it's difficult
2: because people like insist that they have to tell me their story, and I don't want. To, I'll tell them that I don't want to hear it. You know, when we do these weekend immersions, we often show a five-minute clip that you can, anybody can find on YouTube. That's from an old Bob Newhart uh, TV show, and if you haven't watched it yet, just go onto YouTube and and search. Stop it.
1: Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah.
2: Have you seen it? Right. It's like. <laughs> He's a psychiatrist, and this person keeps coming in and talking about all this stuff that's wrong with her, and he keeps yelling at her, stop it. And it's a good, funny way of getting insight of what we do all the time, right? It's crazy. Um, if you guys don't mind, I want to tell you a really quick story uh, about me, because I, I, I like, you know, my life has been filled with more junk than you could ever imagine. I've been diagnosed with more things and I've had more. I mean, you know, they gave it to me because I needed to understand what it felt like to have all these different things. Okay, I don't know if you know this or not. It's you know, but on July 5th of this year, I had a stroke. I had a stroke on the beach in Santa Monica. I went down hard, and and you know, number one, I went down on the beach and nobody paid any attention to me. I was just lying there on the beach, and it was probably because it was Santa Monica and there was all these drug addicts and stuff sprawled out on the beach, and I just looked like another one, right? But the point of this story is, you know, I've had these life experiences that teach me something, and that experience taught me so much because what happened was I had all through the experience choices. I could choose to go into fear and go into a story about how my mom died of a stroke and our friends have died of strokes, and I must be gonna die because I just had a stroke, and I could listen to the doctor tell me I was gonna be in the hospital seven days and in a rehab hospital two to three weeks, and I was gonna take all this rehab and blah. I could have bought into all that, but I didn't. My choice was to, to pay attention to what they were telling me, but not take it on as my story. My story was, I'm fine. I'm fine now, I'm gonna be fine. I don't need to be in the hospital. I don't need rehab, I don't need anything, I'm fine. And so I had this stroke on Monday morning, July 5th, and on Tuesday morning after they'd done all these CAT scans and all these tests and all this, running up my Medicare bill, right? Um, this esteemed neurologist came in and started to explain to me my, what my, my path was gonna be for the next rest of my life. And I listened carefully to him, and I said, I, he said, do you have any questions? And I said, no, I don't have any questions. I just have a comment. And my comment is, I appreciate your wisdom and your experience in dealing with people with strokes. However, I don't consider myself a stroke victim, and I will be dismissed from this hospital today because I'm fine. Now, you can only imagine the look on this neurologist's face. UCLA, head of neurology, in my room. And I'm like, I don't, I don't believe you, doc. I'm fine. And I could have bought the diagnosis, right? I could have. I had a choice to make. I didn't. I, I, bought, I tuned into my own diagnosis, which is I am fine. I actually bet the guy $5 that he would come back that day and dismiss me. Not because he thought I was a smart ass, but because I didn't need to be in a hospital. I bet him five bucks. He didn't like that very much. He said to me, you must be one of those holistic people. I bet bet you don't even have a physician, do you? And I'm like, no, I use naturopaths. I don't have a physician. He said, well, that's your problem. You don't have a doctor. You don't have a real doctor. So after a whole day of tests in UCLA Medical Center that day, his assistant came back at five o'clock. To tell me that I was being discharged because they could find nothing wrong with me, even though the day before uh, MRI proof and CAT scan proof and all the stuff they did to me with contrast and all that stuff that they could see it in my head, and I should be in rehab. No,
1: it's amazing. What was what That's for, for you? Yeah. What was happening for you in that in that day between when it happened and like were you? connecting and, and doing some self-healing or like what, well, what, I was, what was going on?
2: I was mostly curious. You know, what I've learned is curiosity is much better than buying into. I'm like, I wonder why this is happening for me. There must be a reason. Huh. You know, and I, I just stayed curious and I was really curious about what the doctors and nurses would say because, I, you know, I hadn't had a stroke before and didn't know what that felt like. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was just kind of an observer watching all this that was going on, because I was curious. I wasn't watching it because I was afraid I was gonna die or anything. I was just really curious about, why are you doing this test? What's a bubble test in my heart? What's a contrast MRI? What's this? What's that? I'm just like, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Oh, cool. You know, so I was in more curious, I don't think I was ever in fear. I was just like really curious, like why is this happening? And you know, I'm 73, so it's not a good age to have a stroke. You know, and then no age is a good age, but especially not my age. And yeah, I had to use a walker for a couple of days because I was pretty unstable. But for a couple of days, I wasn't in rehab for weeks, and I started. I went back to work the next week. But to me, that experience taught me so much because for my last 18 years, I've been saying to people, "Don't accept the diagnosis if you don't want to. Create your own diagnosis." What do you want? Because you're the only one that can create it. Nobody else can unless you buy into their diagnosis, then you just created it for yourself. So it was a great lesson for me to see how that worked. And you know, people could say, well, you're you, it's, you probably had a lot of extra help. No, I'm not any different than anybody else. I could have gone down the path of being a, because they kept trying to label me a stroke victim. I'm like, I'm not a stroke victim. I just fell down on the beach.
0: So, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, Rob. I mean, you think about these labels that are given by doctors or whatever when these things happen to us and how it plays this role in our story, like we're talking. And people will take that story, like you're saying, and create this whole bit behind it that just starts leading them down this road of more pain and suffering, all because they were given a diagnosis or a label to throw on something that happened to them. And it's funny, as I'm hearing you talk and tell your story, and I've talked to some of my patients that have had, like, cancer diagnoses and they're cancer survivors and all these things. When they had that moment with their doctor, they just kind of looked at the doctor and they were like, oh, I'm fine. Like, like it wasn't even a thing for them. And then you see the complete opposite, like you're saying, with other people, where they immediately take that on and they start creating their story based off what they're told. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of
2: Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. It's there's a lot of claiming. So it's my oncologist, my chemo, my radiation, my cancer, my, 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 I'm claiming, I'm claiming, I'm claiming, I'm claiming this to be part of my body. Instead of claiming what you really want, which is I'm healthy. Right? And it's so easy to get pulled down that path. You know, and it's like, I'm going to a cancer support group and I'm like, why are you doing that? You know, stop talking about all the things that put you in the category of, of having exactly what you were told. And, you know, there's a there was a scene in the Heel movie that got cut out which really made me mad, but I got the I got the film and it's actually on my website. You know, it's it's the film of a fifty-year-old woman that had a PLS, which is a, a I did as an aggressive form of ALS, right? She couldn't walk. She couldn't talk very well. She was in a wheelchair. She's a sweet lady. And they interviewed her first. And they said, "What is your what, what, what happened when the doctor told you you had PLS? And she said, I said out loud, I do not accept your diagnosis. She said, I don't accept it. I don't. And then luckily she found me. And so in the movie, they interviewed her and asked her what she wanted to do more than anything else before, you know, whenever her time was up. And she said, I just want to walk barefoot in the sand down and stick my feet in the water. Well, they were filming my part in Malibu right on the beach. And I said to her, you know, by tomorrow night, I was there filming for three days, but by tomorrow night, you and I are going to walk down to the beach and you're not going to be in a wheelchair. You're going to walk and you're gonna put your feet in the water. And they filmed her doing that. And we were all crying. Everybody on the crew was crying. And they decided not to put it in the movie because they thought people would think it was fake. But it wasn't. But the key part of that was when she got the diagnosis, she said, I do not accept this diagnosis. I am fine. And you know, the tens of thousands of people that I've seen that have a a life-threatening diagnosis, the only difference between life and death is like what you said. You know, they say to the doctor, I don't accept your diagnosis, I'm fine. Or they say, I accept your diagnosis, I'm dead. And it's, it's an easy choice, but it's a really difficult choice because all the peer pressure, you know, and everybody's telling you, you got to listen to what the, and I'm not putting, I'm not, you guys are doctors, I'm not, I'm not criticizing anything. I'm just saying that's how it is now. And it's so easy to get pulled into that that energy, that down slope of energy that's gonna take you out. And the problem is if you don't if you don't resolve something in this lifetime, if you let the cancer take you out, guess what happens? Guess what you're gonna have next lifetime?
1: Yeah. Is that I mean, what you want? <laughs> right. I, so I, anyway. I I love the story that you're sharing because obviously it also you know, when, when, people hear stories such as what you're sharing, they think like, okay, this guy's indestructible, you know, physically there's nothing that could ever happen to him. He can walk on water and, you know, you sharing that process. And I, I couldn't help but think like, wouldn't that be a great state of mind to be in, in the, in the middle of this pandemic, because there's so much fear around, you know, what may happen, what is happening, what could happen, you know, down the road. And what if we all were just a little more curious, ask a little more questions Trusted that we everything was going to be okay. Um, so on that note, what will be your message to you know maybe that is your message, but you know if you wouldn't mind sharing, you know th- there's obviously a lot of people suffering with mental health right now and 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 are you know faced with the challenges of the time. What would you say to them?
2: Well, you know one of the things I've said, and we we spend a lot of time on the on the divine transmission calls I do uh, every month talking about things like this. But what's important to remember is that pandemic was was a divine divinely orchestrated to purge and clear clean up this planet and so so what's important is that we we allow it to be what it is and not buy into it I don't know if that made sense but so what I say to people is there's a there's a divine consciousness there's a collective consciousness of fear right now and And all these worries and all the what ifs and what ifs and what ifs. And what really has happened, when I look at my own work, for example, I was given a huge gift with a pandemic because now I can reach people all over the world. That that wasn't available before the pandemic. And you look at what happens when people get pressured and get really scared, they start to be creative. Or they crumble. But it's all being fed into collective consciousness. And the more we talk about these things, the more we're actually feeding our own body and feeding everybody around us and feeding the collective consciousness. So I ask people to understand that this is like a forest fire. You know, you have to have a forest fire every 100 years so that the forest can regrow and be much healthier. That's what we're having right now. It's like a forest fire. But if, if if we would stop fanning the flames by being in fear and worry and talking about it and like DV's broadcasting it all the time, the fire will go out but right now it's being fanned by billions of people who are are scared to death of this flu right so i mean i don't know if that makes sense but i tell the people change change your state change your energy change your outcome and it's the same i don't worry about getting covid i haven't been vaccinated i'm in the endangered species list right i'm old and <laughs> i had a health condition supposedly And I don't worry about it. I wear a mask and I'm careful. But I don't invite, because fear, you know, it's like the law of attraction. If you're in fear, guess what you attract? More fear. And the more fear we attract and the more fear we feel, the more fear we put back into the collective consciousness. And it just keeps spiraling up instead of spiraling down and going away. So it's really important that you think about, talk about, dream about what you want, not what you don't want you can say that a million times, and people still don't. They're like, well, I'm lying if I say I'm healthy. No, you're not lying. You're saying what you want. I am healthy. I'm grateful.
1: Love that.
0: Rob, so kind of back to the conversation of healing. For some individuals that are listening, and let's say they're struggling with some form of suffering or pain and, you know, and they haven't even thought of moving down this layer of trying to heal the soul layer or, or energy and things that you're speaking to, what would you tell somebody like that? Just like, just off first, you know, f- first, you know, uh, just coming into contact with someone like that on the first visit with you, let's say, and they're, they're completely new to this stuff. This is very like outside the box for them.
2: Well, the first question I like to ask people is, what have you got to lose by doing this? Besides all the stuff that's creating suffering in you, what do you got to lose? Everything that you don't like. That's what you have to lose. And, you know, so why not give it a shot? Why not try it? Because you might be shocked. You might be pleasantly surprised and you're going to feel better. Um, So that's kind of one of the questions I ask. But I also direct people to my website and say, you know what? Read what other people have written. I don't write any of that stuff. I've got videos. I've got testimonials. You know, they're categorized. So if you've got cancer, you go to look at the cancer stuff. You know, we just, I posted a testimonial a couple of weeks ago on Facebook from a woman in Boston that had, had cancer like seven times. And they kept telling her they got it and then they didn't get it. And they kept calling her back in and doing more and more and more and more and more. And she came to see me. And she doesn't have cancer at all anymore. And she had to, you know, she had to break rank with some of her friends and her family because they kept saying, you just have to keep going. And she stood up for herself and changed her story. And so, but the beautiful part about that video was that she gave, you know, her story is not that much different from a lot of other people's that have had cancer. And so her story was an inspiration to those people that thought they were at a dead end road and maybe they've got something else they could try. You see, I've got seven free calls on my website that are healing calls so people can download. They don't have to pay me a nickel. You can order you can order angel cards on my website. It doesn't cost anything. There's all kinds of things on my website that are free that will get you curious, if nothing else, about wow, this maybe this is maybe this is possible. And you know, the movie Heal continues to bring people to me. And now that we're like global in scope. You know, we've got people from all over the world. i got people that aren't even, can't even speak English on my Zoom calls now. And it's just really fascinating to me how the reach has changed and how people are, you know, this purge has created so much uh, distortion in our lives and so much fear that people are desperate to change things, which, you know, is bringing more people to me. I mean, I don't like the fact that they're desperate, but it's like giving them an opportunity to change, which is the whole reason there's a purge. It's like that two-by-four that whacks you. It gives you an opportunity. You're going to fall down or you're going to stand up and keep going. And that's the, that's the beauty of all of this right now is everything's changing. Everything's being disrupted. Everything's being turned upside down. All the lies are being exposed. All the corruption's being exposed. And the light's going to get stronger the next two months. and It's going to get more intense. But it's like, I say this a lot and I hope it doesn't offend anybody, but there's all these... Our, our planet has been overrun by cockroaches that never die. And right now, the divine light is illuminating all these cockroaches. Cockroaches don't like light. They like dark, right? And so right now, all the cockroaches are screaming in, in fear that they're going to lose their position of being an, an animal or an insect that can't be exterminated. And they're being exterminated, and they're afraid of it. So they're acting out in violent and crazy ways, which to me is a sign that we're approaching freedom from all this stuff.
1: Such a powerful message. I can't help but think you know, back to some of your earlier story, like you, you, you shared such interesting dynamics because I think a lot of people, when they reflect on their childhood and you know, you could say, well, you're, a lot of your gifts as a child were kind of suppressed and, and you, you related to it as a way for you to be able to move through life. And I couldn't help but think like, it, it makes you so relatable because you live this entire life with, um, you know, all the su- successes of the material world. And then you entered and you, you almost said, or I think you said something along the lines of, you kind of forgot some of those gifts as a child. And okay. it's, it's like, you never really reflected on it until you had this sort of awakening again. And um, in, you know, in, in like fast forward to where we are now, we're all being faced with some level of remembering ourselves remembering that spirit within that, that awakening. And we can, we too, just like you did rewrite our story with how we're going through this or how we were harmed in the past, you know, to bring it full circle to the story that we're telling ourselves that you, you know, choose not to read and just really get to the nuts and bolts of what we're doing here, which is what you're sharing. So on that note, um, you know, I've heard you speak on this before as a way to access some of this, you know, tool set that that you've accessed, uh, what are some things that people can do to to start to incorporate this into their lives?
2: Well, the number one thing they can do is be patient. You know, and the challenge is that we think, I mean, we're a society of of instant fixes, right? And we think that if we say one prayer, or if we ask for divine intervention, or we ask God to intervene or whatever, whatever words we're going to use, then we also have an outcome that we think is appropriate so first first we're setting our we're, you know we think we think we we think we're going to do this thing but we don't believe that it's actually going to happen which is sabotage is the, the result and then we set ourselves up for the complete sabotage by predicting how it's actually going to occur so for example i'm going to exaggerate let's say i had a brain tumor. And I I said I demand divine intervention in my life circumstance. Now I'm so grateful, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I I have a not me, but most people would have a large amount of doubt in that statement because they don't think it would work, and that doubt will actually keep it from working. That's the first part. The second part is if they think it's going to work, they think it's going to happen the way they think it's going to happen, which is all of a sudden the brain tumor is going to leave and and then I'm going to be fine. Well, that's not what's going to happen. So if you didn't sabotage yourself by believing it was going to work, you're probably going to do it by trying to define the outcome the way you think it should be, not the way it should be. So, so what I say to people is if you just try it, just try this once or twice. Ask for help, just like I did as a little kid. Ask God to help you now and get out of the way and let God help you now and then say thank you. And don't define what that help looks like or what it feels like or what you think it's gonna be. Just get out of the way and accept it because it's available to every one of us. We have the divine right to be healthy. We have the divine right to be happy. We have the divine right to be wealthy. We have the divine right to have it all. But over time, we've corrupted that to the point where none of this stuff is like, we think it's not our right anymore when it really is. So if you step back and reclaim your divine right to health or whatever it is, and you have patience and you do it more than once, you ask for help more than once, you, you receive it and you're grateful for it, even if you didn't feel anything. I'm grateful for the help I just received. And then do it again and do it again and do it again and stay away from your boundaries and your limitations and your exclusions and all what you think is supposed to be happen And just get out of the way and and know that when you ask for help, it's going to be exactly perfect for you. And it's probably not going to be something that you even notice. I mean, it's like we're all looking over here. We're looking to the right for that, you know, that angel to pop in the room and cure me. And we're focused over there. And over here, they're, they're all here. And they're like, excuse me, excuse me. And you're like, I don't see anybody. It didn't work. Right? And that's what we do all the time. We sabotage ourselves by quickly deciding it didn't work. Oh, that didn't work. I didn't think it would work. So so if you go onto somebody's website like mine and read some of the testimonials, watch some of the videos and say, Hey, I'm gonna do what that person did for a time. I'm gonna keep doing this and I'm gonna be patient and I'm gonna believe I'm gonna Leave, and I'm going to observe what happens, even if it's little things, and not be disappointed if my brain tumor doesn't leave in five seconds, because everything—it's again—the brain tumor is a manifestation. So we got to go get what created it first, and you're probably not going to feel that. I don't know if I answered your question or not, but
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was. It's, it's powerful because it, it's speaking to some things that we lack in a big way right now, which is one is patience and then two is trust, right? And, the, and, the, and that, um, you know, I think those are, those are really hugely challenged points in the world that we live in, this modern world of expectation and receiving immediately and when it's not there in this moment We move on to the next thing. I mean, this, this massive amount of distraction and addiction that we've found ourselves in has really, you know, pulled us away from our center. You know, as you're speaking, I couldn't help but think like, well, what would it look like if I just really connected with that, you know, that most pure, most divine part of myself on a more regular basis and created a relationship with that aspect of me? And what if we all did that? What would that look like? I mean, there's really no room for anything else.
2: Exactly. There's no room for anything less than love right. because all the energy that I'm working with and all the energy that comes down from the heavens or the divine or whatever title you want to put on that is made up of two components, two, unconditional love for you and bliss. There's nothing more powerful than those two energies, either standalone or combined, nothing. So if you can learn to start allowing your body to receive this unconditional love, not only for you, but from God or whoever that is, you know, nothing can survive in your body that's less than that. So one of the things that I've noticed in my like, time doing this is most of us don't like ourselves, you know, and, and it's really difficult for somebody to look in the mirror and look right in your eyes and say, I love you, Rob." I love you, Rob. I love you, Rob. It's really hard because most of us don't. And, you know, we, we think of all these flaws that we have, all these things that we've done wrong, all these judgment and criticism about ourselves. You know, I love the quote somebody said to me once, if we treated our friends the way we treated ourselves, we wouldn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. You know, and <clears throat> we're mean to ourselves. And and, and that is helping fester, is helping nurture the disease instead of learning to love yourself, learning to be in compassion, learning to speak your truth, learning to come from your heart instead of all this other garbage. Once you start doing that, you feel an immediate change in your body. It's immediate and you can't deny it once you start doing it. And so we spend a lot of time talking to the folks I work with about being compassionate, being in your heart, being in your truth, thinking with your heart because your heart has more brain cells than your brain has and, you know, coming from a place of love and compassion and kindness to yourself first and then that, you know, it it starts to expand out to everybody else. But, boy, I'll tell you what, if if somebody's really sick and if they could just master the act of self-love, they get better almost immediately because nothing can live in that energy. It can't. But we're walking around filled with all this cesspool of energy of self-judgment, self-criticism, self-doubt, self-abuse, all this stuff. And that's like creating a cesspool of energy, which creates an opportunity for a creepy crawler to dive in the cesspool and get you. Right?
1: Uh, what's What's going on for you in those moments when you shared that lady with PLS, you said that, okay, by tomorrow evening, we're going to walk in the sand together. Uh, and then you also mentioned to the neurologist, uh, "I'm out of here five or I'm out of here later today." like how does that how does that register in your consciousness? is it is it just a knowing? like how does it show up for you?
2: i I just know that it's true. Hmm. I do. you know here's here's the thing. I'll tell you a secret. I'll tell you a secret. You can't tell anybody this, but I'll tell you a secret. <laughs> People all the time, I get hundreds of emails every day, people asking for help, hundreds of them. And and all I have to do is visualize that person for a nanosecond being okay and it changes them. Why? Because I know without any hesitation, without any doubt, I'm 100% in knowing that what I ask for As long as it's not illegal or immoral or whatever, right? Whatever I ask for is going to occur. And, you know, yes, I have the advantage of working on a couple hundred thousand people and seeing what works and what doesn't work. I have that advantage of that experience. But I also know that if I think of you, if you sent me an email and said, I have a really bad headache and I just thought of you in a moment and knowing that as soon as I thought of you, your headache was going to go away, it would go away. So it's, it's more about just developing that knowing that you have the right to be healthy and you have the right to ask for help. And when you ask for help, it's going to come in a way that you may not understand, but it's going to come. And just let that be true. Let it be true. And once you do it a few times and it works, you'll be like, I got this. I got this. So I, can, I could go on for you know, ever about stuff that I've manifested for myself just by thinking about it and knowing it's true. And I've also manifested stuff that I don't like because I thought about that. <laughs> and, you know, God God doesn't, because you know, God loves you unconditionally. If, if you ask for something, even if it's bad for you, you're probably going to get it because it's unconditional love. So just be careful what you ask for. The other thing that I say to people, I like to bring it down to a really simple level, like you said earlier. I ask people how many how many people in the room believe in the parking angel. Right? Just about everybody believes in the parking angel, right? Why does it work? Because they believe in the parking angel. They know and trust and believe that when you call upon the parking angel, you're going to get a good parking place. So why don't you do the same thing with your life? Why don't you do the same thing with your suffering, with your disease, which whatever's not working for you? Call in the health angel and know just like you know the parking is going to work for you, the health angel is going to work for you. Keep it simple. You know, don't make it complicated. Relate it to something that you know works and then see why it works because you believe it. That's why this stuff works when you believe it. And people go, well, I've got cancer. It's stupid for me to believe that I'm going to be healthy. I'm like, why? You have the right... You have the right to believe whatever you want to. You have the right, it's your body. You know, you have the right to take care of your body. And part of that is believing what you want your body to be like. You know, I had a lady one time that weighed a whole bunch of, she weighed over 300 pounds. And I said, what's your diet like? And she goes, I eat tuna and salad all day. And then at night I eat a whole half gallon of ice cream. I'm like, okay, what are you thinking about when you're eating the ice cream? And she said, every bite I think how fat this is going to make me. I'm like, okay, so what are you doing? The ice cream, it's not the ice cream. It's the belief of the ice cream that's making you fat. So enjoy the ice cream with joy and pleasure and say, I'm grateful to my body that I get to have this joyous moment with a spoonful of ice cream instead of, I shouldn't be eating this. This is going to make me fat. And it's the same thing with chemo or prescription drugs. You know, when we, when we ask that whatever we're putting on our body to be kind, to be healthful, to be whatever it is, instead of, I shouldn't be doing this because it's going to kill me. You know, this chemo is going to kill me. This radiation is going to kill me. My hair is going to fall out. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to feel horrible. Or I'm grateful for this magical, mystical elixir of health that's being put in my body now. I'm so grateful for my my perfect health. Thank you. It's a choice, right? And it's it's an easy choice, but it's so hard when you're in it to think that you can actually do something different. But you can.
1: So good.
0: So while I'm listening, you know, this whole conversation we're having, and, and I'm sure our listeners are thinking, okay. You're laying this out very simply, and that's the beauty of it because it really is simple. But these are, for some individuals, like you're saying, this is very difficult. I mean, I'm writing these down as we're talking. So talking about people removing doubt and expectations and then realizing that they have nothing to lose and to get out of their own way and then just believe. And when you really think about this, this is coming back to that talk of energy, like we were just talking earlier. This is all just where you're focusing that energy all day, and it's affecting that flow of the divine, like you're speaking. And that's the beauty of it. I love how we're just having this conversation. You just basically gave us like a cliff notes of basically how to live a better life and how to manifest all these things that we want from life. And it's really just about getting it like you I hear you say all the time, getting out of your own way.
2: So I I use an exercise sometimes and you know I'm gonna give this to you too, because it, all my stuff is kind of silly. Really? I mean it's kinda of like silly, right? So imagine, just you guys imagine for a moment, that there's this divine being somewhere out there, and this divine being loves you unconditionally. Meaning that whatever you ask for, you're going to receive. Whatever, because it's unconditional love. I like to take religion out of it, so I, I say it. So think of the Wizard of Oz. There's this being behind a curtain. It's got all these dials and buttons and everything, and it, this being is, loves you unconditionally. Is gonna listen to everything you say, everything you think, every thought, everything you say, heard clearly, and this divine being has a five-second rule. The divine being is going to count to five, and at the end of five, it's going to push the wish granted button and say, your wish has been granted. So my challenge is to people, and you guys can do this with each other, you can do it with whoever you want, is to to add the simple words wish granted at at the end of every sentence you write, at the end of every sentence you speak, and see how many times a day you're asking for something you don't want. Because you have five seconds. I'm like, this is going to be a really shitty day. One, two, three. Cancel, so clear. This is going to be a good day. Or let the five seconds run and divine pushes the wish granted button and that's exactly what you get. So it's a fun game to play to listen to people c- carry on and say, wish granted, wish granted, wish granted, wish granted, wish granted. And they're like, holy crap. A thousand times a day I sabotage myself. I'm asking for what I don't want instead of what I do want. And it's a really easy way for people to get, because you, we don't even know we're doing it, right? We're just yapping away and we're sabotaging ourselves. But if you have somebody that's saying, wish granted, wish granted, wish granted, or you're thinking, oops, wish granted, it might be an easy way to start being really aware of what you're doing all the time. You know, and gratitude is like the, the other greatest medicine there is. You know, if you are grateful for your healthy body, you're grateful for your amazing life, you're grateful for your amazing um, health elixir that's being put in your body that's keeping you healthy and happy and alive, you're grateful, 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 that changes everything too. So being in gratitude and trusting and, and being patient and not trying to manage the outcome, just ask for what you want and know God, the divine will manage the process and get you to that outcome if you stay true to your belief and if you, you know, stay, stay out of the negative wish granted talk.
1: There's
0: our home plate for our listeners. We always have a home plate exercise to give our there listeners There you go. The yeah, that's and that's, one. that one's perfect. <laughs> I'm actually excited to play that game. because I want to see how that rolls out at the end of the day. You'll
2: be, you'll be shocked. Oh, I bet. You'll be shocked how many times a day you say stuff you don't want. And how many times you say the same thing all day that you don't want. And then you wonder why it doesn't get any better duh, right?
0: It's like, hello. Well, And it's, I mean, it's kind of just having that awareness, right? Like you're saying, like we're not aware of a lot of the, that ongoing dialogue that we have going on in the back of our head all day. And this is a beautiful way just to be, have some more awareness and just kind of listen to yourself. Well, it's kind of fun,
2: day. right? I mean, if you're yeah. in a group of people, yeah. Okay, gotcha. I wish granted. Is that what you right. want?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> i can to play that with my wife too. I'm sure. Um, that'll be a good one to use at home and with the kids. <laughs> yeah, <careful laughs> kids are Yeah, yeah. Kids
2: are good at first. They're like, oh, this is fun.
1: <laughs> Rob, thank you so much for, for sharing space with us today. It's uh you're such a gift and, and the simplicity of it, but yet the profundity of the things that you share you know they're they're so Received by us, and and we're, we're thank you for the blessings that you shared with with all those who are tuning in. Uh, I I would love if you could just share, just maybe near the end here, just what these angel cards are all about, because uh, this is sort of a, a free option for people to access some of what you do um, with these cards. Have so too, yeah. You share what, they, what they sort of mean and what the yeah. point is of those I word. have some.
2: I have some of those. Um, <laughs> so you know in my house right around the corner in the hallway i have a giant painting of that angel and how it all started was that when i first started doing this work you know remember i didn't have any formal training i didn't even know where my liver was you know the beings would say put your hands on somebody's liver and i'm like where's their liver that's how much i didn't know and i actually bought a gray's anatomy book in a bookstore so i could figure out where people's organs were but um what was my point here? I just forgot my point. But so, so, um, I people would always ask me, Do I have any angels around me? Do I have any beings around me? Am I all alone or do I have anybody? Do I have one? And I'd say, Well, you have your guardian angel, your, your master teachers and guides, your lineage, your family and friends, all of that, and you have these angels that have never been in human form they just appear in human form the way their energy separates out and people will go I can't get that I can't get that picture so i found somebody who who listened to me describe what i see as an angel and made a painting of it oh, wow. and then i noticed that people would come up to the painting and have this strong reaction they'd feel this energy coming off this painting and i thought hmm I wonder if I replicate this in post postcard size cards and like business ca- size cards, what would happen? So I, you know, I went to Insta InstaPrint or whatever that VistaPrint or whatever that is, and ordered a bunch of them first just to see what would happen. And I started giving them to people, and the same thing that happened with that you told at the beginning of this session. People are like, what is in this card? What is it? And So I realized that that was a really easy way for people to connect with the divine energy. It's very simple. It's a card, but most people can feel it. And and so this is a a way of getting people the idea that here's a piece of paper with some ink on it that's been energetically enhanced by the divine energies that's palpable. You can feel it. And you can put it under your belt and your back pain goes away. You can put it under your mattress and you stop snoring, or you can put it under your dog dish and your cat gets your dog gets better. It has immediate results that you can that you can see. So we decided to start printing them in mass and giving so when I was doing live events, we'd give thousands of them away every day. And now that I'm doing Zoom events, we mail them for free. So it's just a really easy way to connect and to feel what that feels like and to watch what happens when you actually apply the card to something that's not working. It's phenomenal. And what a gift that we're able to give people because it's an entry, it's kind of like an entry level. This is how you're going to feel.
0: I think this is a great idea. And for our listeners, the story Rob's talking about, before we got on the call, I was telling him that I ordered my angel cards and I had had a session with, uh, I was going to get some Reiki done with a friend of mine. And I handed her a card because I just got them that day. And before she had even like looked at it or even picked it up, the moment I handed it to her, she's like, holy cow. She's like, this thing is vibrating in my hand. She's like, what is this? So then I had her read it and I told her about it. But no joke, these things are amazing. I got them all over the clinic and the house. Mm-hmm. Order your angel cards. Order your angel cards.
2: I know we got to go, but I'll tell you one more quick story. I, yeah. know, I used to travel... 300 days a year, all over the place. And I always had big stacks of those cards in my carry-on bag. And every time I would go through TSA, it would set off their alarms. And they would, yeah, seriously, they would search me. And then they would, you know, open the bag and they'd pull out a card and they'd be like holding it up with an angel faced right at them. Like, what is this? I'm like, that's what's setting off the TSA alarms. And they're like, no, it isn't. I'm like, okay, take them out of the bag. Let me walk through there. And I wouldn't go off, and it became a game for me that I was having fun with the TSA guys because I knew how to. I didn't like getting searched all the time, but I like them. I like TSA people holding an angel card. I thought that was a really good, good way to get some of that energy to those people, right? But yeah, they, they're so powerful that they'll set off the TSA things.
1: That's <laughs> hilarious. No, it's awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. Rob, thank you so much for everything you shared today. Sorry, uh, you're welcome. Yeah, it's, it's such a... It's you, guys, a you guys
2: are awesome. It's been fun talking to you.
1: Well, thank you. Um, if you would not mind, with just hanging out for a few minutes uh, after the call here. But uh, for everybody listening, we have some home play for you. Get your angel cards. Check out his website. If you haven't watched the Heel documentary, make sure you check that out as well. And then start playing the game. Granted. Granted. Yes. granted, yeah. All right. Take care, Rob. Rob, thank you, man. Appreciate you're you. You're
0: welcome